This is Pastor Nathan Kirk, and I am so glad that you have decided to make Greater Life a part of your day by tuning in to the message that you're about to hear. We here at Greater Life are a group of people that are passionate about living for Christ, as well as service one to another. From our worship services, classes, and messages, we strive to love and serve with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you enjoy the message you're about to hear, that it is a blessing to you, and that in turn you may be a blessing to others. If you're searching for a church to call your home, I encourage you to join us here at Greater Life. ...in general, and it's something that's I think we're becoming more and more sensitive to. Um, we're having more of an interest in and starting to look at a little more introspectively and saying, well, what is this, what is this fivefold ministry all about, and why is it important? So when we find it in the book of uh, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be drawing um, the majority of this text when we start to look at the fivefold ministry, um, one of the things that we're going to do is we're, we're going to really just kind of take a look and take, take our time with this here tonight in the next couple of weeks to go over a few things. But we want to really say, okay, well, why is this in Scripture? Why is this so important? Why was it important to them? And therefore then, why is it also important to us? It's something that maybe we haven't had as much of a focus on, or maybe it was focused on at one point, but it's kind of gone a little bit of a, a um, little bit of time before we've talked about it, or perhaps maybe we've just had different opinions or points of view, and it's a little bit, a little bit mystical, a little bit mysterious. Well, what is this all about, and um, why? Why is that something we should study? Although the other aspect also is this: is that maybe you've never really heard of it before, or you've heard of it, but we've never really studied it out. It's always kind of been this thing that's off in the ether somewhere. It's like, well, I don't even know what that's all about. Well, let me just tell you this from the very foundational aspect of this. The fivefold ministry is important because we find, it, we find these concepts, at least, in Scripture, number one. Number two, it's, it's important for us today to be a healthy church, to be a healthy church. So why are we studying this now, and why is this important now? Maybe I can give us a little bit of insight. Um, but before we do that, let's, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, and that's where we're going to be uh, reading here, and um, starting in verse... Um, Verse number 11 is where we find this, this idea and these, this notion of a fivefold ministry. Ephesians 4.11 simply says this. He says, And he gave some apostles, prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, that's where we get the notion of five. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Now I'll say from the very onset that pastor and teachers, there are a lot of folks that believe that those things are um, inexorably tied together and that's one office and, and that's fine to, to think that way or to have that opinion and have that viewpoint of scripture. It's not necessarily, it's not, it's not that that's wrong. Um, so, and it's, so let's just we'll move on from there. <laughs> We're going to get to that later as far as what that kind of means and what that looks like. But he, has, he lists out these five things, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And then verse 12 tells us why these characteristics in the individuals that God has blessed the church with exist. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So that's our why tonight, is for the perfecting of the saints. We're going to talk about what that means. For the work of the ministry, we'll talk about what that means. And the edifying of the body of Christ. But before we start to talk about this in, in a and in, in just dive right in, because I don't just want to dive right in. I think it's important for us to have a little bit of context as to what we're looking at. So when we reference Ephesians chapter 4, uh, before we can ex you know, explain how these individually interact together, what these individually are, um, and what they're for, to best understand this passage, we have to look at the context of scriptures. The context is of, of the book of Exodus and the church at Ephesus, uh, Ephesians, not Exodus, the book of Ephesians, and, and the church in Ephesus um, is really an important context that we have to understand. So I want to put it to you like this, 
as far as why we're studying this now. Um, has anybody ever, ever just eaten the same thing over and over and over and over again every single day? Come on, what are, what are some of our favorites? What are some of our favorites? Soup? Eggs? I'm, I'm with you. Oatmeal? Peanut butter? With the classic peanut butter and jelly? Okay. Well, what else we got? What, are some, what was that? Avocado toast? Wow. Classy over here. Okay. Sister Classy. Jose? Tacos? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Spaghetti? Spaghetti, okay. What was that? Chocolate. Well, okay. Now that's like <laughs> good. For, okay, bless you. Um, when I was in college, mom, don't listen. When I was in college, my so sophomore and junior years, I wanted to save money. My wife and I were talking about this today, and she said, "You're not a saver. You're a not spender." And I'm like, I'm like, that's like a super saver. Like that's. <laughs> My superpower is not spending money. Um, and so what I did is I, I said, no, I'm not going to have a meal plan with the cafeteria. I'm going to get my own food. And I lived off of ramen noodles. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on, Brother Gibson. I got a witness. And peanut butter and jelly. And then, and then, and then every once in a while, if I was feeling really, like, high class, I would get that frozen banquet chicken. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And if I really, if I really, I, if I really wanted to take it up a notch, I would cook it in the oven instead of just microwaving it. Yeah. With some fruit punch. Oh, so bad. Like, it was so bad. But I ate that for two years straight until, um, and then, like, every once in a while, I would, this is embarrassing, but, like, Whatever. Every once in a while, I would, I, and I would eat a lot of pancakes, too, because they were really easy. Just, you know, add water, make them. And, and the, the pancakes with peanut butter and, and jalapenos and some salsa. And it was just, yeah, it was just <laughs> beautiful. Jake, Brother Collins, that's, I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I lived off of that for two years. And then... I got married, and my wife has a very wide palate, she's a, she's a great cook, she's a great baker, so, so then I got exposed to all these other things, like coriander, I couldn't even pronounce it, and so the realization was, these, these are kind of funny examples, but the realization is this, when you eat the same thing over and over and over again, you have an unbalanced diet. You need other things to help balance it out. You, but you can't swing the pendulum the other way and just have those other balancing things because then you lose out on the things that are, that are also necessary to have a balanced diet. Then this church... Quite frankly, we're, we're blessed, I think, on a heavier side of um, pastoral ministry and teaching ministry. And that's really, I think, a great, great thing for a church to have, should have. But if we don't also include the prophetic, the voice of an evangelist, or the voice of an apostle, we will have a diet that's, that we can live off of, but it's not a healthy balance. So why are we talking about this? Is One of the reasons why is because as a pastor, one of the things that I want to do is help us with receiving some of, the other, some of these other elements that are, number one, biblical. That they are biblical. <laughs> the voice of a prophet is biblical. It's not one that any of us really wants most of the time. <laughs> like, oh, I don't really. But actually what I want to help us to do is to say, well, maybe we do want that in a healthy way. Not in, because you could take that all the way. You can unbalance that too. And that can become way unbalanced. So now every voice is a prophetic voice, and you're hearing prophecies everywhere. And now you're crazy. That's, that's what happens. 
and now, yeah, the snowflakes are telling me, like, like the snowflakes, they're not prophetic. No, they're not. Like, in the voice of an evangelist, and the ministry of an evangelist, and, and even that of an apostle. But if we don't know what these are, I, I don't believe that we will ever truly see the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We can get by and do plenty of good things and, and do well. But I don't just want to do well and just do good. I want to do great. I, we want to see great things take, take place. We want to see great things happen. Um, we talked about this on Sunday morning. I, I know we didn't so much talk about it, but I talked about it on Sunday morning. It's like the official, the royal we. Um, but Brother David Dunnigan, we all know him. Okay, and he's got this, we talked about it on Sunday morning, he's got this big growth on his neck, he's blind, and like this is a really big deal. And so I would, first of all, do we believe that God can heal him? Like, do we believe, I was just talking with another pastor today who said that when he was on the mission field, that they would pray for people and he would see big growths the size of, like, cantaloupes on people just fall off of their neck, right? And blinded eyes opened, right? And we go, whoa, whoa, that's, we, we go, that's wonderful, that's powerful. But can I tell you what that also is a little bit? It's a little weird. It's a little weird. Because sometimes what we want is we just want to see that happen, but we don't want the backstory of everything that happens to get there. Because that's the messy stuff. That's the weird stuff. Sometimes we want like just the, the, the prophet to come into town on his chariot and to say, you and you and you, be healed. And then whoosh, he's off. And then he's off and we're all, thank you, Lord. And then like now we can just go off on our merry way um, on this diet that we have. But it doesn't work like that. Jesus, when he came, he did some things that if, if, if I was to invite, like if we were to invite a guest speaker to come and did some of the ministry that Jesus did, we would say, I'm never going back there again. No, and you could have come here for your entire life and you'd say, I'm never going back there again. You're like, well, what are you talking about? Well, here's what I'm talking about. When Jesus saw somebody that, was, that couldn't hear, it was deaf, he spit on his fingers and put his fingers in that guy's ear and then said, oh, here you go. You can or, or somebody that was blind, he made a mud ball. And you're like, okay, that's not a big deal. Yeah, it is, because he spit in the ground to make a mud ball. This is in your Bible. Like, Jesus did this. And then he put that mud of dirt and spit in that guy's eyes and said, now go wash yourself. It's like, yeah. Like, if I was to be like, oh, you have an issue. Well, here. You know, like, like, <laughs> like really, we, right, even that, we're just like, oh, no, don't do it. Don't expose me to that. But, like, wait a second. Wait a second. That's, that's what was going on. We talked about this a couple Sundays ago about how, um, with, um, with Elisha and the, the Shunammite woman and, like, the, go lay the staff on the kid's face. How, what that's going to do for anybody? And he laid out on him and three times, and then, and then the kid sneezed seven times. Like, that's just weird stuff. So I want to see these really powerful things happen, but I don't want all that weird stuff to happen. Can I tell you something, Minnesotans? <laughs> We gotta. We have to help ourselves. In a, in a sense, yes, having whatever whatever aligns with God's will, and it's not gonna look like the way that we want it to look. It's not gonna be comfortable. It's gonna be awkward. And so, what a way to sell it. But here's the thing: if that's you with the growth on your neck. If that's you with an issue of blood, if that's you that has cancer and needs healing, and someone says, dip in the Mississippi seven times, and you're, you're like, you know what? I've I tried everything else. I, I, maybe I'll just go try that. If that's you, and it happens to you, then you don't have a problem saying, look, I know this is kind of weird, but God did something for me, Right? God still does things that don't make sense to us. Can, if I can just be honest, the fact that you're sitting here and we're talking about a God that you've never seen, 
we've become so casual with that because we can talk about, teach about it, but now we're experiencing it. Like we say, go down in the water of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and your sins and your past is washed away. Like, why does that make any sense? You're acting on faith. And faith is beyond what we, can ex- we really can explain or, or, or see in ourselves. So it's going to take some weird things. And I'm going to extend an olive branch to some of you. Some of you, people under the name of ministry have done weird things that has not worked out. Can I get a witness? Anybody here? It's like, yep, it's happened to me. And, and it's embarrassing. And you've maybe told yourself, I'll never do anything like that again. I'll stand here and just say this. I'm sorry that that happened to you. I'm sorry that that happened to you. It's not intended for that to happen to you. And the reason why we're teaching about this is so that you can try the spirits to see, to, to just discern what you're seeing, to see if it lines up with this, with this book, to see if it lines up. And, um, and as a community, as a community of believers, we're, we're determining together, hey, we want to take a step, a step a little farther. Not only that, but... Part of the reason for this also why we're getting into this study is, is also because if there are some people with those gifts and those ministries and those, let's say, offices, if you want to call them that, um, that, that we are able to have at, either come to Greater Life or come through here or minister here, we have to be open to that. And I don't want to set you up as, I don't want to set you up to be like, to trick you and be like, oh, everyone come, we have this really chill, laid-back speaker, and all of a sudden he's saying, all right, stand on your head and rub your tummy. Like, like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> now, nobody's going to tell you to do that. Because nobody says tummy. So, but anyway. Um, okay, is this all right? Is this all right this, tonight? Okay, good. It is. So, so th- that's why we're going into this study. We wonder why we study this. Why is this important? Because for the, for the perfecting of the saints... That we're perfecting, Let's, I want to get into that real quickly tonight, that we're perfecting, this is just a snapshot, that we're perfect in Scripture, especially when you see it in the, new, in, um, the King James Version, the word perfect means completion. And it's a notion of this, it's a notion of the saints, which is all of us, it's a notion of restoring the saints to their rightful place in the kingdom of God. I'm going to say this, you have a place in the kingdom of God. You have something that he wants for you to do on this world. Not just to be a consumer, but to be a doer as well. You don't do for salvation, you receive salvation, but once you enter into the kingdom, now you are a doer. And he has a role and a purpose for you, not to just sit and receive we're not about that. If that's what we're looking for, then we're in, the wrong, we're in the wrong building. We're in the wrong facility. It's not just consumerism. The Lord brings you into his kingdom, and when you realize what he has saved you from, which is namely yourself, <laughs> like, once you realize what he has saved you from and delivered you from and how he's brought you into his glorious kingdom, when you have that realization, you say, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Okay? So he brings us into the kingdom to do. To be doers of the word, it says in James 1.22. Not to just sit back and be consumers. So the perfecting of the saints is to help us to know, God, what can I do? How can you, can you establish us and bring us to where I belong? Have you ever wondered, where do I belong? What's my role? Where do I fit? I, I kind of do some things, but I just kind of feel unfulfilled. I don't feel like I'm lining up with what God wants me to do. That's the whole purpose of this, is to... Help us get closer and closer and closer to where do we fit within the kingdom and how can we work together. So this may be your first time here. This may be your 101st time or you might have been here. You might have been born here and just never left. I don't know. But can I tell you, you have a role in the kingdom of God. He has things for you to do that he wants to unveil to you in your life. The primary thing is he wants to have a relationship with you. We can't just do without relationship. He wants relationship with you. Bless him right now, Lord. Okay, so let's um, go to Acts chapter 19. The church of Ephesus, the church in Ephesus started in the book of Acts, and it started in Acts chapter 19. About a year plus ago, we were doing a study in the book of Acts, a couple years ago now, actually. We were doing a study in the book of Acts, 
And so I want us to read some, something that happened in Acts chapter 19 um, that, that we would probably be okay with for the most part. It says in verse number 1, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said to him, We have not so much heard as whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said to them, Unto what were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. And then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Quite simply put there, he's asking them how they were baptized, and he's asking them if they've received the Holy Ghost. I want to pose this to every single one of us here tonight. Have you been baptized in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus Christ, and have you received the gift of the Holy Ghost? That was, that was Paul's first question to already believers. Okay. <clears throat> when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They acted on what they heard. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all of them were about twelve. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when, uh, when diverse were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And he continued doing this by the space of two years so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So right there, in the first ten verses, we would read that and we would say, that makes sense to us. That sounds pretty reasonable. We would say, that, that sounds pretty reasonable. That's, that's fine for us to maybe do. That's fine for us to engage in. And, and we would say, well, that's our mission here, so let's do Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus because we're reading the book of Ephesians. So we say, that's pretty reasonable. That kind of makes sense to us. And that's where we maybe would close our Bibles and we say, okay, let's all stand and da da da. Don't stand, you're good. Just hold on. So in case you like, just wait. <clears throat> um, so 1 through 10, we read that at the beginning, we think, great, and it was great. But then things get a little, a little weird. So let's, let's keep reading. And God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul. Okay, you sure you want to read this part? We're like, yeah, I want miracles. Are you sure you want to read this part? <laughs> so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and disease departed from them, and evil spirits went out of them. Oh. What? So they brought pieces of cloth or handkerchiefs from Paul to the people, and imagine if you're one of the sick people, or one of the diseased people, or one that had um, evil spirits and were tormented, and they said, look, we have this piece of fabric from Paul. And here's the thing. I know this is going to sound a little weird, but I'm going to bring this to you, and I'm going to lay this on you, or we're going to pray, or whatever they did with that, and this is going to help you. Now, if we're, maybe we're familiar with this whole handkerchief thing, prayer cloth thing. Maybe we're kind of familiar with that. But if you're trying to explain that to somebody for the first time, that's like, that's weird. Like, I don't care how breathable this fabric is. That's weird. <laughs> oh, it's Egyptian cotton. Like, no, I don't care. Like, it's just weird. What are you doing? But the faith to do that. But then let's go on. It says, And certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over him which had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. So there were certain Jews who claimed that they were exorcists. That was their title, I suppose. And they took it upon themselves to try to cast out a demon from somebody. And they said, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. They were like, We are commanding you by Jesus, by the name of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. So they thought things were, were going to be fine and great. Obviously, we, maybe you know how this goes. And, there were, and they were, um, there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, the chief priest, which did so. So these seven sons of Sceva did this. The Bible says in verse 15 that the evil spirit answered and said, Well, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but I don't know you. Who are you? 
And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Seven of them. It was one on seven. I don't know if you've ever been in a fight. Like one on one, I'm no good. I can't, I just, I'm not a fighter. But like two on one, forget about it. Like here's my money, you know, <laughs> firstborn, I don't know. Like just whatever you want. But seven on one, that's, I mean, it's like a, that's a sure win, right? No. No, it was just so overwhelmed and overpowered them that they left, they didn't just leave like, this is weird, let's get out of here. They left naked and wounded. Naked and like bleeding, bloodied up. And by the way, naked. That's weird. And to us, we would say, well, I don't want to be a part of a church, you know, movement where that happens. It's like, well, maybe you don't want to be a part of that specifically. But the, notion, the whole notion of this is, is at the beginning of Acts 19, this is all happening in Ephesus. At the beginning of Acts chapter 19, things seem kind of normal, and we normalize that. But there's more to this story, and there are more things that are happening. And as apostolics who are dedicated to, to this book and what happens in this book, and saying we fully expect and desire to experience these same things to happen in our lives, let me just tell us here tonight and help us that we have to have a balanced approach and an openness to the things of the Spirit that are not necessarily what we would consider to be normal. Or, let me put it this way, even natural. Because we're talking about the supernatural. And if it was something that we could rationalize in our own mind, oh yeah, it makes sense that it would happen this way, then what would we need God for? We need to maybe relearn some things, or as you know, Scripture talks about how the, how the, the apostles were ignorant and unlearned. Now, I don't necessarily know what unlearned necessarily meant uh, in, in so many ways, and how that added to their ignorance, but sometimes it's when you learn something, and you think you know something, and you think you know it really well, Sometimes you have to unlearn some things so that you can actually understand it for what it really means. And when you're in something for so long, and if you have a heavy diet for so long, sometimes you have to unlearn some things and realize, oh, there is actually more to this that makes sense and that I actually want to have as a part of my life. But it's going to require an openness from us. It's going to require an openness from us. When I was in Iowa recently, um, we're recording this, but I don't think anyone listens from Iowa, so I think we're probably okay. I was in Iowa recently with Brother Inger, who some of you know, does anybody know Brother Inger, who has come here before? Brother Inger? He came to preach, and I love Brother Inger. I love Brother Inger. I'm going to try and have him up here again. One of the things about Brother Inger is this, and I'm telling you this, and some of you are going to be like, I'm not coming when he comes is he operates often in the gift of discernment. And if you don't know what that is, is he can discern some things that are going on spiritually in your life and speak to those things. And it's really scary. It's really uncomfortable. And so what I want to do is to say, Brother Inger, welcome. Here's Sister Don Olson. Go talk to her and just walk away. No, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. You're just sitting here, so you're an example, right? So when he comes, all of you are going to be like the Red Sea, just partying and making room. Like, no, 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 I got an engagement. Um, the point is, when I was preaching, when I was preaching down there, something really unique happened. And I want to share this with you. Something really unique happened in, is that um, I, I was preaching and I saw somebody sitting over here and then, and then there's a couple over here. And the Lord gave me a very specific word for this individual over here a very specific word for this couple over here while I was preaching. And I thought, okay, Lord, I'll talk to them later. And he said, no, do it now. So I leaned, I went over to the brother and I said, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to do this because the Lord's telling me to do it. And I publicly said, this is what the Lord's telling me and this is what I feel like is happening and what he's doing in your life and this is what he wants me to tell you. And that person goes, yeah, it's true. You know, they start, I'm like, oh, no. Uh. <laughs> so, like, 
So I went over here, and I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> but and then I did the same thing there, and they're like, oh. and they like hug, and like, okay, I'm like, oh, this is too much. Like, this is too much. But it was really, and it has nothing to do with me. So then I'm like, I'm going to go back to Columbia Heights. We're going to do that again. And like Sunday morning, I stood up. I'm like, it's not there because I'm the pastor. And I, I know. <laughs> I don't need deeper insight because I kind of know. <laughs> but the difference was this, is that they received it. That it, it, confirmed what, it confirmed what the Lord was speaking to their spirit, and they received it. And if you want to be blessed by God, you have to receive it like a child. A child doesn't receive a gift and go, well, okay, what's this going to cost me later? And, you know, like, what's the payment plan for it? And, you know, like a child just says, I'll take that. Thank you. When God wants to speak to you and bless you, he wants to really speak to you and bless you. And even if it's something you don't want to hear but need to hear, amen. Like, yes, I still need that. It's a blessing to be, to be disciplined by God. <laughs> it's a blessing. He, like, he loves us. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens many times. Because he loves you, he won't leave you alone. He won't let you sit in your dishonesty and say everything's okay when it's not. Like He's like, no, I'm going to keep bothering you until you finally realize that, that, yes, you need to turn to me, and now I can help you. And it's that receiving. But the difference is this, is unless we receive it, we'll never benefit from it, number one. Number two, unless we, re- we receive it, we'll never be perfected or completed. And we'll always lean one side and leaning, you know, you can still lean and move forward. But I'd rather us be a healthy body and move forward together. So that, that's another reason why we're, we're talking about this, is in order to receive it. Okay. I need to hurry here tonight. Book of Ephesians. Um, I'm not going to go into the complete totality of this book and why it's so, uh, all of the context necessarily. But I'll, I'll say this, um, it was written, um, so Paul spends that time in, um, in Ephesus, and he talks and works with the people, and he spends a few months uh, trying to convince some people, and then that kind of stopped working because they, they no longer received him, and so he went to a school for another two years, and started talking for another two years and ministering for another two years, and then, and then he had to leave. So by the time that he's left, he's had, he's had a tremendous amount of influence. And here's the thing about the Apostle Paul. He was brilliant in his writings, but he was also very spiritual as well. He was very spiritual. He's the one who said in 1 Corinthians that the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. Like he, it's, not just, it's not just about what you say. There's a demonstration of power. So he knew that that was very important, and he didn't leave that out. He had, they, they were both together. Um, so after, after this time, Paul had an influence, and then he left. And by the time Ephesians is being written to Ephesus, he's writing to the Ephesians from prison. He's writing to the churches in Ephesus after visiting there and starting a church and being with them for those two years in Acts 19. Now in Ephesians... The, the, the way that the book is written, and I won't get into that tonight for the sake of time, but the way that the book is written is it starts, well, actually, maybe I will. Do we have a little time tonight? Great. The rest of you can blame everyone else for saying we have time. All right. The way that the book of Ephesians is written, Jose, you're, well, yes. <laughs> but I don't want to, thank you to Brother Jose for plowing the lot today. That was... A huge blessing. And I think Brother Reed for snowblowing. I think it was Brother Reed. He, he did the snowblowing. So thank you, Brother Reed, for that. Um, so Ephesians is basically broken into three parts. But the first part is um, chapters 1 through wow, one through 3. And what these first three chapters talk about is they talk about, it's basically uh, a recollection, a retelling of the gospel story of Jesus. So it's talking about, it, it, it's thanking God for what he's done. So his, his works, 
um, for it's the gospel story, um, and realizing where everybody falls in that, and we kind of go, okay, yep, that, that works. We, we kind of like that, and the gospel story is great. And Acts, or, um, Ephesians 1, 19, uh, he, this chapter ends up, and, and, and Paul ends it with this. In Ephesians 1, 19, he says, What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Now, hear, hear these words, because they're very potent. The exceeding greatness, it's intentionally redundant. The, not just the greatness, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heaven, uh, right, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, in the age which is to come. Verse 21. It talks about that name, the name that is, it's above every name, not just in this age, but every name that is to come, in the age that is to come. He put everything under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. It's a beautiful ending to that. Uh, to that chapter, a beautiful part in that letter. It's just talking about God's power and how it fills, fills his church. We, as the church, are intended to be full of power, full of power. It's God's design for your life. To be full of power. To be, to be overcomers more than conquerors. It's so, so crucial. <clears throat> so Paul writes in, in the story of the gospel. He, he continues on with, this, with the application of the story of the gospel. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 is another example. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. And, and this is a really cool part that he says, we are created for Good works. When people say that works aren't important, I think they're missing part of the story. Is because works works can't save you, but what you do is important because you were created for good works. We're made to do good things. Not good in our perspective, or our perception of what good is, because our perception of good totally misses the mark. I'm not a good judge of what's good. The, the, thing, the best thing that we can do when we want to discern what is a good work is to say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? How would you have me do it? So, which God prepared for him that we should walk in them. So we're getting this, the, the, the first three chapters give us this image of a new creation. It gives us the imagery and the image that we are now a new creation. Not just, not just, hey, things are new and fresh in your life. You're a new creation. Like you're a brand new creation. Clean, new, fresh. Okay, so. But then in, in Ephesians chapter 4 um, is, is kind of where it takes a little bit of a departure. In, in 4, the beginning of Ephesians chapter 4 talks about <clears throat> unity and oneness, okay? So it begins with uh, a oneness and unity. It speaks to the oneness of God, Ephesians 4 or 5. Can anybody quote Ephesians 4 or 5? One Lord, one faith, one baptism. What about verse number 6? One God and Father of all is above all. Through all, and it gets a little southern in y'all, I guess. I don't know. That's, anyway, that's, that's here. I don't know. Anyway. <clears throat> so it talks about a, 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 a unity, but in, in that unity, and this is, re- this is a really important part of why, so this plays into what we're talking about in, in Ephesians, and it builds up to this. In that unity, what's, I think, vital is that we are, we are all one. We are all one. We're all one, 
but we're not the same. So you're here tonight, and you say, well, I don't fit in because I don't really look like them, or I don't talk like them, or my life isn't like their life, or my story is not like their life. And so I don't know that I really belong. No, that's not true. Your story is different. Your life is different. You are different. We're not the same, but we are one. The scripture continues to point this out, and even, even, in, this, even in Ephesians, this is where it talks about that we are a body knit together. And you don't have just a body full of fingers or toes. Okay? You have many different members of your body. Thank God we're not just a bunch of deformities walking around like all the same things all along our bodies. Like that's we don't want to be that way. There's a diversity of your of every member of your body. That's how God has made his church. But every every person in the church, every person in the church has a function and purpose. Those are two different things. I don't want to get into that right now. But you have a function and you have a purpose. In the body of Christ, every single person here, you have a purpose. And if you say, well, my life doesn't feel like it's had much purpose, you say, I don't really feel like, I don't understand where my purpose is, you are in the perfect spot because this is where God wants to reveal to you what your purpose is. And sometimes when we face the reality that we do have a purpose and it's much bigger than where we're at right now, come on, somebody, when you are facing the reality that you do have a purpose and it's, it's different than where you're at right now, that can cause us to pull back in fear. And when we pull back in fear, we are, we are dislocating ourselves from the oneness and the unity of the body, and we are isolating ourselves. But what, this, what the scripture is telling us is to be one body, knit together, framed together, and in your differences, that's what makes a body complete. You have to have a complete body. We want to have a complete body. You want to walk around incomplete? We don't want to walk around incomplete. So then, the very next portion of Scripture brings us to this point, and he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. It's this same thing when we talk about a church body, and, and he builds all of this up to say, hey, you know, this gospel story is beautiful, and there's power that fills the church for good works, because we're the image of his new creation, and how wonderful that is, and everybody's so different, and we're all together, and it's just this beautiful, like, harmony that God's put together. He says, oh, by the way, in these differences, um, here are some of the specific applications of how you are going to be different. So that's what he highlights in chapter number four. Um, I want to hasten through this here tonight and begin to wrap this up. In verse number eight, so Ephesians four, we're going we're gonna to just go through the last bits here as we close this out here tonight. Um, and this is just a foundational lesson building us unto next week. But Ephesians chapter four, um, verse number eight says this. Let's, let's back up to verse number 7. Remember, verses 1 through 6 talk about a unity of the Spirit, and unity within the church, unity within the body. Verse number 7 says, but, to, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. And the Bible says this, okay, everyone, in your, in your, in your Bible, it says, he gave gifts unto men. Verses 9 and 10 are parenthetical verses that explain that first part of verse number 8. But where that where verse 11 picks up when it talks about the fivefold ministry, it picks up where verse number 8 left off and it says he gave gifts unto men. Then you go down to verse number 11 and it says and he gave some This is a direct reference to the gifts. 
So what we often refer to as the offices of the fivefold ministry, the offices of ministry, let's say, he's saying this is a gift that he's given to us in a gift that we should receive. God has given gifts to the church in the voice of an apostle and the ministry of an apostle is a gift to the church. You're like, well, what is the ministry of an apostle? That's the whole intention of the study. The, the ministry of a prophet or the voice of a prophet is a gift to the church. And that's strange because that's foreign to us and we don't always like how that works and, and maybe we don't trust it or you've been hurt by that, but it is intended, it's God's intention for that to be a gift to the church. The ministry of an evangelist. Some of you, some of you, some of those people, you know those people that just, that whenever they, I think of Brother Powell, like whenever he gets up and talks and he just says two or three things and he says, I wish I had a church and all of you are just like, that's right, praise God. And Brother Langer runs the aisles and, you know, like, I'm just like, you know, I'm like, I try to get up there and raise the dead. You know, it's just like, it's not happening. But, but you know, but Brother Powell has a gift. He has a gift. Now, he, um, let me, I'll, I'll extend an olive branch. If you have a church that's, let's say, heavy on an evangelist, they will wear you out. When every service is fire and excitement, woo, yeah, let's go. That will wear you out. You'll get tired. I, don't, I just don't have it in me anymore. I can't keep running. <laughs> like, I tracked my steps, and my phone broke. Like, I just can't, like, I don't have it anymore. Or if, you, or if you have a church that's heavy on the prophetic, you don't want to be a part of that church because every time you come to church, something's wrong. You're always sinning and going to hell. <laughs> it's like, I don't want that. <laughs> right? And if you have something that's heavy on the apostle, then it's like we're always going, 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 and I can never sit and rest. Okay? So you could see how the imbalance there would be really unhealthy. You're like, I don't want that. That's unhealthy. But the same thing is true. And this is what the Lord's really bringing out to us. He's saying, like, there is function and there's purpose for all of these things, but they are intended to work together. They have to work together. And in order for a, I, I believe, and I think the scripture bears this out, in order for a church to be a healthy church, it has to have a proper balance of these elements within that church proper balance, and that there are going to be seasons where we might need to lean one way or another. When things start to get a little crazy, okay, let's just rein it in and let's just teach. But when things become a little bit maybe dry or dull or stiff or, you know, you might need a prophet to come in and to stir, to, to help reflect maybe what's going on and and help us out. Or you might need the voice of an evangelist to really stir and galvanize us together and to kind of wake us up a little bit or to give some of those gifts. But it, but it goes beyond, again, it goes beyond just being consumers and say, oh, okay, who's going to come and who's going to do this for us? Who's going to come and who's going to do this for us? It goes beyond being consumers because actually these roles are to elevate the saints to do this work of the ministry. So, um, so we need these rules. Um, verse number 8 says that they are gifts. So what I want to do is just go down to verse number 16, and this is where we'll close tonight. Verse number 16, and we're going to work backwards. It says, For whom the whole body, fitly joined together, and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, which every joint supplieth, that means that the body supplies the body, right? Is everyone with me tonight? Okay, well, is everyone else? Come on back. <laughs> like the body, the, the joint supplies the next joint. The body supplies the body. You need to be connected to the body. Here, okay, I'm going to just be really real right now. You don't need to be connected to ministry. You need to be connected to the body. You can get really heavy in ministry connection and think that you're connected to the body, but you're not. You're connected to position or title or ministry. 
but not the body. You need the, I need, we need the body. And when, because when we're, when we need something to flow into our lives, yes, we have the Holy Ghost, and we have this well of water springing up within us, but there's something very specific that when you are a part of a body that, that feeds us the way that God is intended to feed us. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but he told the people around him to move the stone and to loose him. Right? So Jesus does what only he can do, but the body does what the body does. Okay. So, the only way we become fitly joined together is to have these gifts in operation in our lives. Verse 12, I'm sorry, verse, um, we're working up. So verse uh, 15, but speaking the truth in love, oh, that's not a very, that's a, that's a fun one. Speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up to him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. That ties really well with verse number 14, which says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried around with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. This is a beautiful thing because it's talking about is when the body is complete and when it's healthy and when it has this balance, you're not going to be tossed to and fro because you are grounded in every aspect of something that's healthy and, mat- and you're mature. Right. So how many times have you seen and talked to maybe those people that the next, new th- the next new thing that comes out, they're just like, oh, this is incredible. And like they just go over here and then they just disappear over there for a while. And then like, how did that work out? And like, oh, I guess, you know, it wasn't really that good. You know, it just kind of fizzled out. And then, and then the next thing comes out. They go, oh, over here, this is the answer. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And, and you, they just disappear for a while. And then how did that go? Well, you know, that didn't really pan out either. Why? Because the winds of doctrine... Um, that are, that's, it's false doctrine, that are blowing people to and fro because they have an imbalance. And this is saying when you become mature and well-rounded, that's, that's what we need. We need to be mature and well-rounded. What I don't want for us to do is to become leaning so heavy on one side that all of a sudden something that kind of makes sense because we're already leaning. You know, when you have a stool that has three legs, if you kick one leg out, you just have to lean on the other, you just, you just have to lean on that, and it'll tip over, right? When you have this, when, when we have this uh, leaning that we have, and we're out of balance, all of a sudden, something over here that we're already kind of leaning towards, sounds pretty good. It's actually pretty convincing. And all this other stuff, I don't really know if I even need that because this, this makes sense to me and it's a whole lot easier to go that direction. And what this is talking, what I think what Scripture is bringing out to us is to say, no, 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 trying to bring it back into balance. Trying to bring it back into balance. Okay. Verse 13. Till we all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Unity, unity of faith, the importance. Unity, the notion of unity, I think, implies that there are differences. It implies that, that there are distinct differences and that we are working together towards unity. That it's not just singularity. And there's a difference between singularity and unity. Unity implies that there, there is a difference, that, take, that, that there are differences. And we have to understand that there, there are going to be differences in the operations of these sorts of gifts, but they are important for the church. Lastly, in verse number, verses um, 11 and 12, we've already read verse 11 um, enough, but verse 12 says this, the purpose of these, these gifts that God has given to the church is for the perfecting of the saints, which means completing or furnishing or equipping for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The purpose of the fivefold ministry, the purpose, here, so hear this in closing tonight, the purpose of these ministries, these gifts, let's say, the purpose of these gifts to the church is to equip 
you, me too, I'm not exempt from this, but as a pastor, like, I'm just going to say this. The purpose of the, of the gifts is to equip you for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body. That the ministry, the service, does not tear down, it edifies. And it helps bring us together in unity and maturity. And when these gifts in these ministries, not my ministries, hear, and hear me today, when we talk about an evangelist or somebody that's prophetic or an apostle coming in to speak, sometimes we have this consumer mindset of they're going to do these things. We're shifting that entire mindset and we're saying, no, what they're going to do is they're going to equip you so that you can do these things. So that when you lay hands on people, they, like, these signs will follow them that believe. Do you believe, Justin? Yeah, yeah, you're like, yeah, I'm not trying to trick you. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm not setting you up. Like, God's not setting you up to fail either, by the way. These signs will follow them that believe. And among those signs is they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Like, do you believe? Yep. Can you lay hands on the sick and they can recover? And we go, no, because he doesn't have an office, because he doesn't have a title. That's bogus. He has just as much Holy Ghost as any of us have. And the entire point of all of this is that we desire to see his kingdom come, his will be done here on earth, here on earth, as it is in heaven. We want to see that happen. We're asking for that to happen. But what it requires is for the body, the body, to do the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body. So in in this tonight, and in this series as we move forward, I'm just letting you know this now. You are being set up. But you're being set up to succeed. You're being set up to be a blessing. And from the blessing that you will be to somebody else, you will be blessed. And the body will be closer. And church, let me just tell you, the season that we are, I I do truly believe the chapter and the season that we are entering into this year, and, and now we've turned a page and getting into it this year, is one that is going to be powerful. I, I just believe that. I believe not just in word, but in demonstration. I am praying that we see this happen and that we experience it. I'm praying that blinded eyes are open. I'm praying that cancer is healed. I'm praying that the lame can walk again. I'm praying, I'm praying that people can be delivered. I'm praying for restoration, complete, whole restoration in Jesus' name. But in order for that to happen, the body, the body has to be open and receptive to the equipping of the saints. So these next few weeks, we're going to talk about what that looks like and how that looks for you. And what I want you to begin to do is maybe to identify some of the things that are important for you and some of the things that really resonate with you. Here's what I mean by that. Um, Some people have a knack for teaching. Some people have a knack that can just sit down and talk to somebody and talk someone through that. One of my daughters, Nora, takes drum lessons. And can I tell you, I would go crazy if I had to teach her drums. Number one, I don't know how to play drums. But I I just couldn't do it. Like I, I, I would pull my hair out and... I mean, it just would be ugly, like no good. But who she takes drums from, I listen to those lessons, and he's just super chill, super patient. He has a gift to show how to execute it. It's a really cool thing. He's duplicating that for her because that's, that's the gift and that's the talent that he has. So some of you might have that teaching leaning. Some of you might not be good teachers at all. So don't. (laughs) But some of you might have that ability to speak 
and to get people's attention and to gather them, not to speak behind a lectern, but to speak conversationally, face-to-face, one-on-one, and to capture attention, and to really grab, grab attention that way. Some of you may feel like you have insights, spiritual, some of you want to have spiritual insights, and you don't, so don't worry about that. But some of you may feel like you have spiritual insights, and you can sense some things. Okay, these are not gifts that we're imparting to you. These are gifts that God is giving to you, that he's stirring within you. And some of you, some of those gifts have laid dormant for a really long time. And what we're trying to do, and what I'm trying to encourage us to do, is to start to stir up some of those gifts. Because this body needs you. This body needs you. This body. Not, and when I say this body, I don't just mean, and out of, respectfully, I don't just mean our, our elders and people that have been here for 30 50 years, 60 years. I don't just mean, although, yes, our elders as well, but the entire body needs you. We need each other to be one as every joint supplies to the next joint. Amen. Let's stand together here tonight, if we could, please.